Welcome to the Cantina Chatter Podcast. Welcome to the Cantina Chatter Podcast. My name is Victoria, and I will be your host on this galactic adventure through Star Wars, toys and collectibles, pop culture, and randomness from the 80s and 90s. Welcome to July 2020. It's so wild that we're six months through the year. And uh, with all that's been going on this year, I feel like we went straight from winter to summer. Who knows what will happen next, honestly. But uh, as long as we're able to, Cantina Chatter will be here to help you get through it with your bi-weekly dose of toy news, history, and nostalgia. But I hope you're doing well, or as well as can be. Yesterday was the 4th of July, and although my own way of celebrating the holiday basically meant working out with my dear friend and enjoying her amazing company over a fun breakfast, it seemed like for all intents and purposes, it was a pretty regular 4th of July, meaning neighborhood parties and illegal fireworks. (laughs) I drove through the beach and saw that it was packed. Here's hoping people were safe, but um, well, we can really only watch out for ourselves at the end of the day, right? I did want to thank you guys for the Apple Podcasts reviews. We're at 99 ratings. Who wants to be number 100? Really, guys, thanks. Those stats do help us out. So if you can spare two minutes to rate and write a quick review of the show, please do so. Just make sure it's a good one. Otherwise, you'll be kicked out of the cantina. Anyhow, it's been a while since we did a Q&A episode. With it being the middle of the year, I thought it was a good time to check in with you guys and find out what burning questions you might have. So I did the only thing there is to do in this situation, and I took to the socials to see what you, dear listeners and followers of the Victoria's Cantina YouTube channel, were curious about. Like, what is Victoria's favorite milkshake combination? Is it true that she created all of the music in the Cantina Chatter podcast? Yes, it is. When she's not talking about toys, which is like, never, what the heck does she like to do? What are her dreams and aspirations? And uh, as expected, no one asked anything like that. I mean, who would? Anyway, I've rounded up your questions from Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube, as well as the fax machine, aka my email. And uh, I'll be going over each of them and making your Q&A dreams come true. So let's get to it, shall we? So this first question kind of follows up on uh, the last podcast episode I did with uh, Tom Chorlton, who, of course, is the collecting correspondent for Cantina Chatter. That was our episode about the world going retro and how everything's retro these days and how toy companies are trying to constantly sell us 
old stuff that we already owned decades ago, but are still just as excited about to buy again. It's from Benjamin Irvin, who has also contributed to the podcast in the past. And his question is, what line do you want to see have retro releases next in the same vein as Hasbro Ghostbusters and Star Wars? Any brand, any manufacturer, end quote. Well, I know this is uh, something that is probably not going to happen. And actually, if you listen to the first episode in season two of Collect Jurassic World, which, by the way, just came back last week, me and Tim from Collect Jurassic kicked off our first episode of season two. Uh, We talked about how amazing it would be for there to be a Kenner Jurassic Park retro figures, just like they're doing with uh, Hasbro Star Wars, just like they're doing with Hasbro Ghostbusters, and according to rumor, uh, Hasbro G.I. Joe in uh, the not-too-distant future. And, uh, you know, that is 100% what I would love to see. The Kenner Jurassic Park toys have been going higher and higher and higher in value over the years on the secondary market. It's basically not really attainable to complete a set of that very first series one line of Jurassic Park toys without spending probably well over a grand. So uh, I know that things would be really murky here because uh, Hasbro no longer has the Jurassic license. They lost it to Mattel and um, Mattel doesn't have the ability to use the Kenner trademark. And presumably they don't have the ability to use the uh, aesthetics of that packaging. I know they did something similar for the Comic-Con exclusive John Hammond last year. So maybe they could do something similar to that. But then you get into the actual figures, which are, you know, Kenner figures, you know, basically Hasbro intellectual properties. So would Hasbro be okay with Mattel doing that? Would Mattel be okay with Hasbro doing like a retro collection for Jurassic Park? I don't know. I mean, stranger things have happened with toys in the past, so I wouldn't I don't want to say it would never happen. Never say never, but it's unlikely to happen. Which is a shame. I think if Hasbro treated the Jurassic World line the way that Mattel is treating it now and has been over the last couple of years, no doubt in my mind, they 100% they would certainly be doing a retro line for Jurassic Park, but that's simply not the way things went. So I mean, I'm hopeful that it can happen, but um, I wouldn't put my money on it. But that would be it. That would be the one thing I'd want to see happen. And if not that, then, you know, Hasbro has a bunch of Kenner lines they can pull from. Lots of stuff from the Dark Knight collection. Lots of stuff from Swamp Thing. You know, all those retro toilets. I don't think there's a lot of demand for for Swamp Thing or maybe even the Dark Knight collection. Um, But um, yeah, I, I... I'd be happy to see those again. I mean, you know, it's Batman. And then, of course, Spin Master is doing the four-inch Batman figure. So I don't think Hasbro would be able to do that again. So anyway, on to the next question. Classic Action Figures asks, what should be the next Star Wars HasLab product? Well, I really think it's going to be the Death Star. Um, I could be wrong. I know a lot of people are asking for the Razor Crest from The Mandalorian, I know some people want to see the Rebel Blockade Runner. Others want to see a Star Destroyer. I think they're going to follow a formula that they know is going to be successful. If you look back to the Sail Barge, it was a vehicle, but it was also a playset. Very interactive thing that had lots of features. It was from the original trilogy. I think for them, that's a pretty safe bet. 
and also something that has been asked for for a long time. Well, the sail barge um, maybe wasn't the most popular idea, like in terms of a marketing perspective, but it was something that the fan community was asking for for years. You know, collectors wanted that sail barge for years, and that very first HasLab was funded and was successful. And and if you think about it, the Death Star ticks all of those boxes. It would be a vehicle slash playset from the original trilogy. It's something that fans have wanted for a long time. So if I had to guess what it would be, and you know, again, I could be wrong. It could be the Razor Crest. It could be something else. Uh, I think it's going to be the Death Star. I really do. And honestly, I think that's probably what it should be at this point in time. Cheese on Bread <laughs> says... My five-year-old loves all things Star Wars. Aside from a small selection of clearance toys and used stuff on eBay, there's nothing to buy him via traditional line. With no regular three and three-quarter inch figures and vehicles for the Rise of Skywalker, is Hasbro now solely focused on collectors? Aren't we at a point where Star Wars slash Hasbro can have core characters and vehicles such as the TIE Fighter, X-Wing, AT-AT, Speeders, and make them available on a semi-regular basis, even if it's just repacks? He even looked up the carbon free set and said, that's all you get. Should we accept that Star Wars toys are just not for kids anymore? And um, looking at you, the $300 ATACT. Uh, well, a little bit to unpack here. So um, let's start off with that $300 ATACT. So I don't think that was really something targeted specifically at like adult collectors. I don't know any adult collectors uh, or longtime collectors that were really stoked about the ATACT. Um, you know, obviously it was like a, an app controlled vehicle and uh, not a lot of people were stoked about that, really. It was very small compared to previous uh, ADAT vehicles um, and, you know, just not very detailed. You could barely fit the figures in it. It was, you know, it was, it was really small. So uh, I think that was aimed more at being like a holiday season type thing aimed at like, you know, the big Christmas gift that kids would get. And, you know, I know some collectors obviously bought it, but it did go on deep clearance. Uh, I never got one. It just wasn't my thing. Even on clearance, I didn't really want to spend, you know, $80 or whatever they went for for it. So I don't think it was intended for collectors. Now, I know we've talked for a while on the podcast about, you know, the state of Star Wars collecting. And um, yeah, Star Wars is basically a collector-focused line at this point, especially when you're talking about Hasbro. Um, they really tried doing the kid thing for The Force Awakens, for Rogue One, The Last Jedi, Solo, uh, and it just didn't work out as well as I think they had hoped. I know that initially, you know, people were really into the toys, especially going back to 2015, you know, The Force Awakens, there was all this hype surrounding Star Wars. And they made a lot of stuff. Well, they made too much stuff and it just sat, it went to clearance, it went to Five Below, it went to, you know, all these other um, stores, you know. So I don't think it was all that profitable at the end of the day. And uh, as you saw more and more movies come out, you know, like Rogue One, then Last Jedi, then Solo, you saw the toy lines get smaller and smaller. And stuff really was popular in 2015. Remember how popular Ray was? I mean, I don't think I can really fault Hasbro if... A lot of those people, many of whom are probably buying toys for the first time, didn't stick around for the following movies and the following product lines. Um, so, I mean, Hasbro really stuck it out there, I think, uh, especially early on with the sequel trilogy and the spinoffs and uh, the audience, the market ultimately just wasn't there. And uh, some of those five POA figures were really good and uh, they were ended up being pretty hard to get. I still haven't completed like the whole line of 
like the solo 5 POA figures. I just haven't gotten around to it because they never saw them at retail. I did find a few of them at five below, but haven't gotten all of them yet. But um, uh, yeah, for the Rise of Skywalker, um, you know, we're seeing a much more focused thing and it's all the vintage collection. They didn't want to hedge their bets on another, you know, well-rounded three and three quarter inch five POA style line. So even for Black Series, we only got a handful of Rise of Skywalker figures and nothing for the rest of the year has even been announced. So yes, um, Star Wars and the three and three quarter inch scale is a collector line at this point. It's all about the vintage collection. They retail at $12.99 slash $13.99, depending on where you're looking. And a lot of places really aren't even stocking them very well. It's, it's basically an online collection. Just last month in June, uh, two episodes ago, I was talking with Chris and Brett from BanthaSkull.com about the vintage collection and uh, how we haven't seen so many of those figures at retail and how there have been no reports of a lot of those figures hitting retail at all. So basically, it's an online collection at this point. It's a it's an adult-oriented collection, and I think that's why you've seen the focus primarily go to original trilogy uh, type stuff because, um, you know, Hasbro knows where they can make their money. They can always make their money on OT stuff. It's all the long-term collectors uh, that are keeping that line going, you know, people that love that scale and that grew up with that scale. So, I mean, I really wish there was like a 5 POA like line for, you know, the Rise of Skywalker, Mandalorian, or, you know, just something that integrated all the saga like into one toy line that was like, you know, a budget line. That'd be cool. Um, But, you know, I'd rather see the higher quality stuff, the vintage collection and higher quality vehicles. I mean, I know it does mean we're getting less overall. But I think no one can really deny the quality of, of most of the product we've gotten over the last um, couple of years for vintage collection. While I do agree that the Cloud City playset does seem to be a bit lackluster, and I'm not really happy with how you have to buy two to complete the whole thing. Um, I mean, I sort of get it. They were trying to produce a $50 product. I think it could have been better. I think it could have had the claw, um, you know, to come down and grab the carbonite and... I don't know. I just feel like it does seem a bit lackluster to me personally. I think a $100 set that had, you know, both parts, the two sections of the playset with the claw and with maybe that fog effect that came on the Kylo Ren and Ray Black series set, the exclusive from Comic-Con a couple years ago, that would have been awesome. But I guess they were trying to hit that $50 price point, uh, just like the Jabba's playset from last year so. We'll see. Maybe it'll turn out to actually be pretty awesome when when the product gets here. But yep, uh, it is basically a collector-oriented line. I know they're experimenting right now with those battle bobblers. Have you guys seen those in, in stores? I've been seeing them at Target for like the past month or so, and they're they're kind of weird. They're like these little clips with springs that have little figurines on them. <laughs> um, they're they're really weird. And a Galaxy of Adventures. I don't know what's going on with that. Um, my Target still has the figures, but they're the old figures. Um, I, I know that some of the newer ones like Boba Fett, I believe, were hitting in uh, the UK, but nothing here yet. So that line seems pretty dead, too. So, you know, unfortunately, we're not in the golden age of collecting like we were for Star Wars, you know, a decade ago. Um, so, yeah, I would say that if I was you know, advising somebody who, you know, wanted to build up a collection around three and three quarter, I would say, you know, you're on the right track. Keep keep going back to the legacy collection, to the anniversary collection, the Saga collection. There's some great stuff from the 2000s that Hasbro did, you know, uh, for, for Star Wars. Some of the greatest stuff I think was done between like 2005 all the way to like 2012. There's some amazing stuff there. 
And there's just so much of it. So that's the good thing. Even though there's not a ton to be had at this point, they really did a lot of great stuff um, during that era that can be had. And I know a lot of it's expensive, but some of it's not. And uh, you could definitely pick up, you know, some some good stuff on eBay. I'd love to see more Rise of Skywalker stuff, though. And I hope that Hasbro isn't done with that movie because I really love that movie, honestly. <laughs> I'd love to see more stuff come from it. We're missing a lot of figures in uh, both Vintage Collection and Black Series. Next question comes from RX Gold, who is asking, what is the one dream figure you want from Jurassic? It doesn't have to be plausible or within any price range, and it can have any feature. Uh, from Mattel Jurassic, the one thing I would like to have them do, of course, would be the Jungle Explorer. And I don't think that's a secret. We've talked about that a long time um, on Collect Jurassic World, on social media, on YouTube. I mean, you know, this is, it's no secret that people want the Jungle Explorer. It's, it's such a prominent part of the original Jurassic Park film. Kenner had a toy for it, and we really need the Jungle Explorer. I think that's the one thing that I'd really love to see, uh, you know, but, but done right, you know, with opening doors and just an awesomely painted, you know, vehicle that, you know, could fit the figures, just like the Jeep Wrangler. I know they can do it. And uh, if the rumors are true, hopefully it'll eventually happen. That being said, I'd also really love to see a command compound. I mean, the one that Kenner did is amazing. It is amazing. And I think if Mattel did like a, a good playset featuring some fencing, the Jurassic Park gate, and a visitor center structure, it could be awesome. It really could be awesome. So, I mean, that's what I would absolutely love to see. The Leathery Man asks, do you think Hasbro and Disney have gone a bit overboard with all the different scales and formats in Star Wars, especially given there is all this new content as well? Go back to 2010, and although we complained about distribution problems, it was just the Legacy Collection or the Vintage Collection and the Clone Wars. A great time to be alive, in my opinion. So I know there are quite a few scales now, but I don't think that's necessarily something that's entirely new. I mean, if you go back to this era that we're talking about here, 2010, yeah, Hasbro may have primarily been focused on three and three quarter inch during that time. But if you go back a few years before that, well, there was also Unleashed figures. Those were like seven inch scale. There was also the 12 inch scale. In the late 90s, they were doing the six inch Epic Force line. In like 2006 or so, they started making Unleashed figures that were like two inches tall, like the, the really small ones. So I don't think it's anything entirely new. I know that the bread and butter has always been three and three quarter. And now it seems to be that it's six inch. So we still have three and three quarter, even though it's not as big as it was before. Um, presumably because it's not as lucrative as it once was because costs have gone up and you know, apparently they, it costs almost as much to tool up a three and three quarter inch figure as it does a six inch figure. So we have black series, we have vintage collection, um, we have galaxy of adventures. I don't know if that's continuing. Like I said a little while ago with another question. Um, but my target still has some of them, some of the older ones. So I assume it's something they're still supporting to some extent. And now they have those battle bobblers things. And then they have, you know, the 12 inch like budget figures too. And then, you know, the six inch budget figures at certain stores and then the four inch figures at certain stores. So yeah, there's a bunch of different scales for sure. Um, but those, those last two, you're only going to find those at certain places like five below, 
family dollar, you know, places like that. So uh, the reasoning is that there is a market for those. And those are obviously cheaper than, you know, a vintage collection or black series figure would be. And uh, we've reviewed those on the channel. I thought they were fun. They may not be necessary for everyone. What, what I like to say, though, is that when you do have different scales and different formats, if there's something that you're not into, ignore it. Just pass it by. Say, hey, this isn't for me. I can spend more money on this other scale that I do collect. So yeah, they may be producing stuff in uh, various scales, but um, you know, they're a business. They're trying to see what sticks. Obviously, a lot of us collectors feel like we could tell them before they start selling things like battle bobblers that probably people aren't going to buy those. <laughs> but uh, that's how it goes with these toy companies. They're always trying new stuff and always trying to be innovative and you know, just see if they can have a runaway hit. And it doesn't always happen. But I do agree. There's a lot of great content right now for Star Wars. Um, the Rise of Skywalker, The Mandalorian, Clone Wars. And there's not a whole lot of support for that. Which is really a shame because I think there's a lot of toy potential in those different series. I mean, there's so much action figure potential there. And, you know, the, the stuff just isn't, isn't getting distributed very well. Especially with vintage collection. Like I said over the, the course of this Q&A session, like a lot of stuff is basically just online, especially for vintage. So well, it's too bad, but it'll be interesting to see, you know, how things play out as we go forward. Uh, if what Hasbro says is true and they're going to put a little more emphasis on vintage in the future, maybe that'll get better for all of us. But uh, we'll have to wait and see, right? Jurassic Tassif asks... What is the hottest Jurassic toy that has come out in 2020? That's a really good question. I know that I feel like during the spring, things are pretty dry. Uh, earlier in the year, we had things that were coming out like the Sarcosuchus. I know that was a pretty popular one. The Tarbosaurus, the Primal Attack Carnotaurus, and a few other things. And then uh, more recently, we're having some of the Camp Cretaceous Primal Attack stuff come out. Like the epic Roaring T-Rex, which indeed is pretty epic. And I just reviewed that on the YouTube channel. So please check that out if you haven't already. I think it's Mattel's best T-Rex yet, at least in the three and three quarter inch scale. I would say that's pretty hot right now. Um, so is the Super Colossal Indominus Rex. I've been seeing that one show up in my social media feeds quite a bit. Uh, even from people that don't collect like a lot of Jurassic, they're definitely going for uh, the Super Colossal Indominus. So I would say it's a toss up between those two, uh, maybe the Sarcosuchus. I know that was really popular and it's an awesome toy. Definitely one of the best in the Mattel line, I think. But then we also have things like the Amber Collection, Nedry and Dilophosaurus and and the Entertainment Earth uh, Nedry in the um, Barbasol can that uh, was put up on pre-order recently. So there's really a lot of stuff that could contend for the hottest Jurassic toy, but I'd say right now, uh, or at least, you know, we're talking 2020, I would say either the Epic Roaring T-Rex or the Super Colossal Indominus Rex. Anakin Prime asks, do you think the Black Series probe droid will be scaled down? Uh, the Black Series Probe Droid has been out for a few months already, and as far as I can tell, it seems to be in pretty good scale with the rest of the figures. I enjoy mine quite a bit. I don't find the Probe Droid to be necessarily the most exciting thing, but it looks great. Uh, it has some posability, and um, yeah, it's fun. And uh, I do think it's in scale with uh, the rest of the Black Series line. 
Jurassic Texas asks, what would you like to see in the Jurassic World Dominion toy line? Well, I want the Mattel toy line, like any toy line, I want to see it continue to grow and evolve. I want them to maintain the scale, and I think that they will. I think that they've seen that with this three and three quarter inch scale that they've really been able to successfully do the world building the way that Star Wars has for the past several decades, and that they can price different dinosaurs at various price points. I really want to see them continue the world building aspects, though. I think that's what I want to see more than anything, whether or not that's something they get to later this year or next year for Dominion. That's what I want to see more than anything. And what I mean by that is I mean not just the dinosaurs, but also the parts of of the Jurassic world, so to speak, that are just as equally important. The human figures, the vehicles, the play sets, all that stuff. I also want to see more classic stuff from the original film, uh, even into The Lost World. I'd be totally down with uh, the other films getting some product as well. But I really want to see them build up uh, that first Jurassic Park film because we still need things like The Explorer. We still need something like the Command Compound that Kenner did with the with the Visitor Center, the fences, the Jurassic Park gate. I want to see them do that also for Dominion, though, obviously. Whatever is awesome in that film in terms of world building and dinosaurs, I really want to see that too. And finally, Joshua Banker says, When I decided to bring part of my vintage Star Wars collection to display at my office at work, I thought I would be made fun of because many people my age grew up playing with these toys. It's developed some great conversations and has even helped me connect with executives who have stopped by my office. My question for you is, have you had a similar experience where vintage toys or toys based on vintage properties are far more accepted today than they were just a few years ago? Oh, and thank you for the podcast. Even if I don't collect all the same things as you, I enjoy the love and enthusiasm you have for toys. Well, thank you, Joshua. Uh, Obviously, pretty much everything we do on the YouTube channel, uh, as well as most of the stuff we do here on the podcast, uh, involves toys. So I definitely love them. Uh, And if anybody caught my recent Ghostbusters Kenner Classics uh, reviews that I did, uh, it was part one. Uh, talking a little bit about the history of the line, as well as looking over the packaging uh, for the figures, and then part two, which was actually unboxing and reviewing the figures themselves, uh, then you guys know that um, my love for toys really got started with the Kenner Ghostbusters toy line. That was kind of the genesis of it all, because we did have a bunch of other toy lines like growing up, like Ninja Turtles and Swamp Thing and Jurassic Park and Batman and Star Wars and Barbie and you know all kinds of stuff in the house. But it really got started with Ghostbusters. That's the earliest thing I can remember, like, really, like, loving. So my enthusiasm for toys definitely goes back a little bit, and it's something that never left me. And to your question as to whether or not I've had a similar experience where I saw that vintage toys or toys based on vintage properties are more accepted today than they were just a few years ago, um, I would say absolutely. I started the YouTube channel in 2013, I think at the time I was the only female reviewer of Star Wars toys, maybe even DC and Jurassic toys. I mean, there weren't very many of us back then. And thankfully, um, I've seen more in the years since. Some of them have actually gotten pretty big in terms of their channel sizes. And at somewhere I once worked um, a while back, I actually did used to display some of my toys uh, at work. Just a few of them, uh, mostly just extra stuff and Uh, Disney used to make these die, I think they still make them, these die cast uh, cars uh, for the Disney Pixar movie cars. And where I worked uh, was a radio control car, truck, 
uh, company. So, you know, those kind of fit into that whole thing, you know, vehicles, cars. So I had the boxed collection of them. Uh, or I didn't, I don't think I had them all, but I had a lot, quite a few of them uh, on display there on my desk. And for a time, I had some Batman figures and some random figures that, you know, just more modern stuff, but, you know, just random stuff that I wanted to display there at work. And occasionally you'd walk in and find that somebody had gone and like posed your figures in weird poses <laughs> and stuff um, to kind of mess with you. But um, I want to say it was maybe 2015 where I kind of saw this sort of change, like the sort of attitude towards collectors and especially female collectors. I started seeing a lot more female collectors come to YouTube, come to social media, and um, maybe they were already into toys and stuff and they just weren't vocal about it. But Around 2015, when The Force Awakens was about to come out, that's kind of when I saw things turn around. Like nerd culture kind of started going from being nerd culture to being like something that was actually like widely accepted and was actually pretty cool. Even people that didn't traditionally buy toys or hadn't bought toys since they were kids were getting back into buying like the new Star Wars stuff or buying new Marvel figures. So there's people like me that have been doing this, you know, all our lives. But then there's also people that really seem to, to come on board. And, you know, around that time, 2015, um, I really think that's when it became cool to collect Star Wars toys and to collect toys in general. So, yeah, I definitely agree with you. I think that it's not really looked down upon the way that maybe it might have been, you know, just a few years ago. And I'm really happy to see that. And it's different wherever you go, like in Japan. Uh, I went to Japan uh, three years ago, and it's pretty much strictly adults that buy toys there. And I assume that's been the case for, for some time. They do have a few Toys R Us stores, and those are basically like the, the Toys R Us that you have anywhere else. But most of like toys are are like, it's like a huge collector thing in Japan, just culturally. I think they play a bigger part uh, in adults' lives than they might hear, or at least, you know, more than they did a few years back. At least that was my experience when I visited. I just, you know, it was it was all adults that were in those toy stores. And, you know, they weren't like, some of those toy stores had like kitty toys too, but they mostly focused on like adult oriented, like expensive toys. Kotobukiya, Gentle Giant, Bandai, Tamashii Nations, all that stuff. But yeah, no, I, I think definitely it's it's something that is... um easier to do now perhaps than it than it was a few years ago and I, you know more girls are doing that too girls like toys too um and i'm really happy to see that well guys that rounds out the questions that you guys sent in i appreciate them very much i hope that you've enjoyed this q a and if so then yeah we definitely won't wait quite as long to do another one in the future thank you to everybody who sent in a question and if you still have questions uh, you can continue to send them in, whether it's through social media or the fax machine. Uh, you can send in an MP3, victoriascantina at yahoo.com, and we'll play your MP3 on upcoming episodes and answer them accordingly. Remember, you can always reach out, even if it's not for something like this. If you have a question about toys, movies, the content I put out, whatever, always happy to, to chat toys and uh, these films and TV shows and stuff that we love so much. And that's a wrap for this episode. Victoria's Cantina began on YouTube, and you can find plenty of toy content on the Victoria's Cantina YouTube channel. 
We are also on Instagram, constantly showcasing toy photography at Victoria's Cantina, as well as Facebook at Victoria's Cantina, and on Twitter, ranting and raving about toys and other nonsense at Vic's Cantina. For fun and random toy clips, follow us on TikTok at Victoria's Cantina. Got a question or something you'd like to share with us? Drop us a line in the fax machine. You can email victoriascantina at yahoo.com. If you are so inclined and wish to drop a coin in the tip jar, we are on Patreon, where you can gain greater access to the channel while helping to keep the content rolling. For VC-branded merchandise such as t-shirts, ball caps, mugs, and other fun stuff, visit us on Teespring and TeePublic. Links to all of these magical places can be found in the show notes. Do you got a minute or two? If you are listening on Apple Podcasts, please leave us a five-star rating and drop a brief review explaining why you enjoy the show. As always, I'm Victoria, and no matter where you're listening out in the galaxy, I'd like to thank you for tuning in to the Cantina Chatter Podcast. Thank you.